The airline industry has historically been highlighted as a significant contributor to global carbon emissions. Rising passenger numbers have been dented both by the pandemic and the conflict in Ukraine. But with many tourists and business travelers hoping to return to the skies, can the consumer demand for travel be met in a sustainable way? Uh, today, we're speaking with Cheryl Wilson, a senior ESG manager for Capital Group. Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. Passenger levels have started to normalize. If passenger numbers continue to grow per pre-pandemic, is this a problem from a climate change viewpoint, Cheryl? So today, the direct CO2 emissions that aircraft emit uh, accounts for about 2.5% of total global greenhouse gas emissions. So, you know, relatively small compared to, to some other sectors, including some other forms of transportation. But what is you know, relatively unique about aviation relative to, to other forms of transportation is that demand still has significant runway to grow. So as you mentioned, aviation activity has already started to recover and you know, many industry analysts and trade groups expect to see over the long term a return to growth in passenger demand, you know, potentially ballpark doubling of total passengers by you know, the 2040s to around 2050, with a lot of that growth coming from emerging markets, particularly in Asia. So while aviation is a relatively small CO2 emissions contributor today, as demand rises, more jet fuel is burned and emissions will continue to grow. So what you're saying is that the benefits of being ultra efficient are gonna be outweighed by just the complete growth in the industry. Well, so you're right. The sector has long been focused on improving fuel efficiency of aircraft. And that's because the largest operating cost for airlines is fuel. It can be 30% of operating costs. The industry has seen pretty impressive improvements in fuel efficiency of the total fleet, and that will continue. You know, some of that's operational, so things like making routes more efficient, you know, reducing engine use on the ground, et cetera. But the biggest fuel efficiency improvements come from new aircraft. So new aircraft tend to consume in the range of 15 to 20% less fuel per passenger mile than older generation aircraft. And the pandemic actually led many airlines to retire their oldest um, aircraft and their least efficient um, models. And as demand recovers, particularly in the short haul segment, we're seeing airlines refresh their fleets, especially narrow bodies that serve those shorter routes. And so that will lead to further efficiency gains from the overall fleet perspective. But to your point, you know, despite continued improvements in fuel efficiency, the direct absolute CO2 emissions from aviation are continuing to increase. And that is because growth in flight miles traveled will outpace fuel efficiency improvements in aircraft. And the, this industry will continue to rely on fossil fuel for decades. And so that means that net CO2 emissions will continue to rise. So in the context of what you're saying, that we still are being confronted by a real climate change challenge, do you believe that it will be consumers or regulators to become the biggest driver of change in the sector? So ultimately, there will be an impact from both, but the biggest driver will be regulation. And that's really because there are just massive barriers to decarbonizing the aviation sector. You know, most forecasters, for example, do not expect the industry will be able to eliminate its impact on climate change by this you know, sort of mid-century target that um, we hear about as really important to, to global climate goals. And so that likely translates into more aggressive policy requirements over time. Now, today, regulatory... Uh, pressure to reduce emissions is really pretty modest. You know, one of the predominant agreements in place today is a uh, global effort from a UN body that sets standardizing regulations for international aviation. 
and it aims to stop growth in emissions from 2019 levels from international aviation, primarily today by using offsets and in the future um, alternative fuels. But this goal does not allow the industry to track you know, widely recognized global climate goals that stem from the Paris Agreement. You know, for one, it covers international aviation only, it's voluntary, and it doesn't include some of the biggest growth markets like, like China. So from a policy perspective, I think you know, what we should be looking for um, to have the most impact are policies that directly target sustainable aviation fuels. Some airlines have adopted offsetting as a strategy. Is this a valid solution? So offsetting is controversial, you know, mainly because it is, it's not a sustainable strategy. You know, for starters, offsetting emissions um, will not actually solve climate change. That only happens when emissions are, are sort of reduced uh, across you know, high emitting sectors. And for investors, most importantly, it doesn't tell us much about a company's strategy to actually reduce emissions and in turn reduce exposure to climate regulation. You know, that being said, in sort of hard to abate industries like aviation, there's definitely a role for offsets now, and, and there probably will be um, in the long term too. You know, airlines know this, and some are working to improve the so-called quality of their offsets. You know, for example, purchasing only those that they can demonstrate lead to durable emissions cuts. And there are some early airline investments in things like uh, direct air capture technologies too, which in the long term um, could help companies close the gap between actual emissions reductions and, and zero. So helping companies sort of reach, reach that, that net zero. But I think it is really important for investors in the industry today to understand how companies are positioning to reduce absolute emissions. Um, and really what we should be focused on today is, is sustainable aviation fuels directly. And that's because it's really the main option available today to cut CO2 emissions. Um, these are primarily uh, sort of biomass based, based fuels. Right. Uh, we're talking about biomass fuels, but um, I guess there's probably a whole range on the market. How will it ultimately, ultimately be decided which sustainable fuel becomes standard? So maybe just taking a bit of a step back to describe sort of what sustainable aviation fuel is will help us answer this question. Um, so sustainable aviation fuel is the least sort of disruptive option to reducing emissions from aircraft today because sustainable aviation fuels are drop-in replacements to jet fuel, meaning that no substantial changes are needed to the aircraft or to fueling infrastructure. And these fuels can meaningfully cut net emissions from aircraft, so estimates range you know, upwards of 70 to 80% reduction uh, relative to, to jet fuel. But this is an alternative fuel. The market is, is really nascent, and that means it's really expensive, you know, on, on the order of two to three times um, you know, the, the cost of jet fuel. Airlines will ultimately only allocate capital to these types of fuels in a significant way when policies exist that require them to, or policies exist that help to close um, some of that cost differential. We are because starting... I, I, I imagine that if the sustainable fuel is two or three times more expensive, uh, airlines, they're not, they're not going to make any profit at all, are they? Well, so again, you know, fuel is the largest operating cost for, for airlines. And so that is why this industry has always had, you know, a really significant focus on um, improving fuel efficiency. But we are starting to see policies that could move the needle. So one example is a sustainable aviation fuel blending requirement for airlines. This is something that some countries in Europe have proposed or already adopted. And so this can help on the supply side of this fuel. And then uh, the U.S. has proposed tax, break for, tax breaks for sustainable aviation fuels, which can help reduce um, some of that cost differential. 
uh, with jet fuel. So what drags do you see in the industry to slow the adoption of sustainable fuels? So I think to answer that question, it's helpful just to think about what sustainable aviation fuel really is. And, you know, the end product is is just jet fuel. You know, it can be produced from a range of renewable or sustainable inputs, but the result is a drop in replacement for a fossil fuel derived um, jet fuel. Um, and so, you know, potential barriers include um, feedstocks for, for these biomass based sustainable aviation fuels. You know, the, the type that is produced in highest volume today um, is is use, uses oil from plants as the primary feedstock. And any biofuel, uh, including sustainable aviation fuels, will face long-term constraints on, on feedstock supply. That obviously, you know, it takes space and resources to, to produce the feedstock. And then beyond that, there is competition for biofuels um, from other sectors too. So today, sustainable aviation fuel makes up under 1% of total jet fuel use. Just 1%, so we have a long way to go. We do. And so for sustainable aviation fuel to really scale to meet demand and overcome some of these feedstock limits, a range of types of fuels, but also types of feedstocks and in turn the production processes used to produce the fuel will ultimately um, be needed. You know, one interesting um, type of a potential fuel that industry forecasters see as really necessary to reach the kind of volumes needed in this industry is a um, sustainable aviation fuel that's based on renewable electricity. So green hydrogen can be produced with renewable electricity, so solar and wind, and it can then be combined with a source of carbon, um, potentially captured carbon, and that creates a synthetic hydrocarbon. And this type of fuel is called e-fuel. This could be a way to avoid feedstock shortages. That being said, you know, there's very low volumes of this e-fuel being produced today. And there is agreement, I think, in the industry that this is unlikely to impact jet fuel demand in a meaningful way until sort of after 2040. And frankly, kind of the future scale of, of this, this fuel is uncertain, in part because it relies on external factors like the growth in, in green hydrogen supply. But we do we have seen actually one important catalyst already for this type of fuel, and that's a policy in Germany, um, which will set specific blending requirements for these so-called e-fuels. Now, if we did implement widely hydrogen, for example, as a fuel, uh, I guess that would be a, a lot of infrastructure work too, wouldn't it, at airports? Well, so one of the benefits of sustainable av aviation fuels as the final product is that existing fueling infrastructure can be used. But on the production side, yes, this does require uh, new types of infrastructure and also for green hydrogen, a really significant increase in the capacity of, of wind and solar uh, globally. So there's a lot of moving pieces um, to know whether this um, this type of e-fuel will be something that the aviation industry can, can really rely on in the long run. Is hydrogen safe? Because I've got this image in my mind of World War II and Zeppelins. Look, there's uh, so there are OEMs actually working on using liquid hydrogen directly as as a fuel, um, which I think speaks to to, to the um, example you just used. The aviation industry is very focused, as you can imagine, on safety um, as the sort of the top um, concern for any new technology, and you know the. The regulatory process that new technologies must go through in order to be certified to fly is, is really lengthy. So, you know, OEMs, for example, working on liquid hydrogen as a potential alternative power source in the long run 
um, for, for particular long range flights. You know, this type of development will take a really long time because not only does the technology have to be developed, but you could be looking at you know, upwards of, of five, potentially closer to 10 years for sort of a full certification process. So certainly safety um, from the perspective of new technology development is, is always the top priority for this sector. Now, of course, very important for in the context of this conversation is for, about investors. Um, what, what do you see as some of the risks and opportunities from an ESG perspective if we want to get exposure to this sector in a sustainable way? So there's definitely a range of ESG factors that are financially material to the aviation sector. But, you know, as we're discussing here today, reducing CO2 emissions presents the biggest risk, particularly to airlines, you know, which bear most of the regulatory risk. Um, and then also opportunities um, throughout the supply chain. So, you know, engine and aircraft manufacturers, for example, already benefit from ongoing demand for more fuel efficient, more carbon efficient aircraft. That will definitely continue. That will become more important over time as airlines look to both uh, reduce their fuel operating costs, but also improve their carbon intensity. And then those that are developing new low carbon aircraft technologies, some of the early stage um, stuff that, that I've mentioned already, companies developing those technologies this decade could see really high demand from you know, mid to, to late 2030s onward. And then as we discussed, there's limited supply of sustainable aviation fuel available today. And there's pent up demand for these fuels, which are, are, are priced higher than um, conventional jet fuel. And so obviously producers are, are aware of this and um, planning increased production capacity. So the largest incumbent sustainable aviation fuel producers are planning significant capacity increases. And then some large refiners are also you know, adding or expanding their um, sustainable aviation fuel production capacity. So we're definitely seeing movement on early stage decarbonization efforts across the whole aviation value chain. But given the early stage really of all of these options, I think investors need to pay attention to how this evolves because the pathway to reaching net zero aviation is still not clear. Cheryl Wilson, a senior ESG manager for Capital Group. Thank you very much. Thank you. This communication is of a general nature and not intended to provide investment advice or to be a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Statements attributed to an individual represent the opinions of that individual and may not necessarily reflect the view of Capital Group or its affiliates.